You know what shouldn't feel like rocket science? Planning a vacation your whole crew will love. With Carnival Cruise Line, it's all up to you. You can kick back or dive right into the fun. Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship. From a ride on Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of Carnival's dazzling bars and lounges and take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family style Italian. Then settle in for an evening of live entertainment. Whatever your vibe is, you'll come home with plenty of stories to tell. So pack those bags, be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like Carnival. Book your dream vacation at carnival.com. Ships Registry, the Bahamas and Panama. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card? Issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson astrophysicist and director of New York City's Hayden Planetarium. For our show today, I'm going to break format a bit. Normally, there is a professional stand-up comedian right to my side serving as my co-host, and we banter and chat about the science topic of the day, reacting to interview clips that I've slotted into the show of special guests that I've collected over the previous days. In this particular case, I want to present to you straight through an exclusive one-on-one conversation that I had with actress Nichelle Nichols. That name is no stranger to the geek set among you out there, but for the rest who need a little bit of extra info, she is the legendary icon who played Lieutenant Uhuru in the original Star Trek television series. That series was created, as many of you know, by Gene Roddenberry, and it was groundbreaking on many fronts. For me, the most important feature of that show was that the deck of the Starship Enterprise was international. Lieutenant Uhuru herself represented, again, this is the future, the United States of Africa. Not only was she there, but there was representation from Asia, from Europe, from the Americas, and even planet Vulcan, of course, in the guise of Spock. The point is, if you were a science fiction fan of the day and you viewed how authors and producers portrayed the future, it was a future that did not include people of color. A really frightening prospect if you happen to have been a person of color. And now comes the series Star Trek. And you see a woman who is dignified, who has poise, who is not somebody's maid... 
and who is, in fact, an educated communications officer on the deck of the Starship Enterprise, who is fourth in command, by the way, of that starship. And your vision of the future can change overnight. This fact did not go unrealized by Nichelle Nichols. Let's pick up on my interview with her in my office at the Hayden Planetarium here in New York City. Before Star Trek, mm -hmm. did you have any particular interest in science or science fiction? Or was that just your next acting gig and it just blossomed into the rest of what became an important identity? Well, I thought Star Trek was going to be my next acting gig because I grew up in musical theater and I never had any dreams of being in film or television. Theater people tend to be snooty that way. The, I, didn't the theater. Be, I didn't know it was being snooty. <laughs> you see, it wasn't like that with me. It was a live audience that I loved mm -hmm. and that I thrived in. And, I, and you get I immediate was, response to you your effectiveness. You get immediate response, yeah? and you never do the same performance That's twice. how I, when I feel when I give lectures. I, yes. The, it's the, yes. I feed off it's of that. that oh, yeah. it, yes, mm -hmm. that give and take, isn't mm -hmm. it? I bet even now you realize another dimension of what you were going to say, that because of an audience reaction yes. or question, mm -hmm. because you affect people in different ways. This was a very exciting time for me when I realized my life was bigger than my narrow. I was a ballerina and became involved with all forms of dance. So the total I, stage performer then, I, right? I was a the singer sing. with a four-octave range voice. Mm. I thought I had two voices until I found out how to connect them. <laughs> <laughs> I had this high voice. You know, and I had this deep voice moaning lower. Oh, sweet you need that man, deep voice. I love him so. You know, I was just this little child. The, the needle on my microphone doesn't know what to do. Yeah. What, to, what just happened there? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I and I was this actor, and I was also a writer. I used to write plays, and I'd get the kids in the neighborhood, and I'd cast them. And I would always be the star of the show, you know. <laughs> and they were just delighted because they loved having fun. And then our parents would come and see it, the show. Uh, the kids in the neighborhood come, write another one, write another one. <laughs> and they got to have fun. And I got to be in, as a young child, in the theater, the, the theater, theater of the yeah. street. And so I always knew I was going to be a star. <laughs> but it was theater. going to be at the highest level on Broadway. And You'd be the I, toast of Broadway. The toast of Broadway. And then Star Trek interrupted my career. <laughs> <laughs> the damn Star Trek. Oh, I God. got this role as Uhura, and I thought, oh, well, that's nice. You know, I didn't think of it as a leading role. I just thought of it as being... A powerful adjunct and, and participation of, of my resume, mm -hmm. which would get me closer to Broadway, <laughs> <laughs> starring on Broadway. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll act the Star Trek role so that I can be better on Broadway. And yeah. so that I can be sought after, because I never underestimated the power of television. So here I've got this lovely little role, and I thought it was nice, and... After the first season, I thought, okay, I'm fantastic, you know. Right. right. And, and, and you're not singing and dancing, right? And, and, no, that wasn't. No, I was singing. I no, no, not singing in Star Trek. Yes, I did. Three times. I missed that. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Oh, excuse me. 
Netflixing that tonight. Antares. That was the first song that Gene had written for me. I'm Netflixing that tonight. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then I sang twice again. Mm-hmm. I, I sang the Oh, What I Really Had Fun. I was singing to Mr. Spock in the rec room, teasing him about his ears and so forth. And it was fascinating to me that that was the only time you would see Uhura relax or be funny. When she was on that command deck, she was all business. Mm -hmm. She's from the United States of Africa. She was expected to be of a level. High professionality. Highest Mm -hmm. of professional, not just high. That's not good enough. Excuse me, highest. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, that showed, let me just say, you had a presence on that deck that no one else had. And she could tease Spock because, did you ever wonder why Uhura was the only one that Spock even deigned to try to teach, much less teach, to play the Vulcan lair, an impossible instrument even for Vulcans to play. And so I used that to relate to the intelligence of Spock and the intelligence of my family, which in from the United States of Africa most assuredly expected the best and the highest of their daughter. So you went through a year, and at so the end I of went, the year, what happened? Thank you. I was floating back there, and I thought <laughs> if I talk long enough, I'd get... <laughs> so after the first season... I was going, well, you know, the, this is not a major role or it doesn't have anything to do, although I had some really wonderful episodes. This is, might be the very coolest time for me to thank Gene for the opportunity because I'm getting all of this attention now that we're on television, and I'm on my way to Broadway. And I had already talked to a producer who wanted to write a, something around me and so forth. So I went and told Gene, I said, I thank you for everything you've done, Gene. We've been friends, and I thank you so very much, but I'm going to be leaving. And Gene was sitting behind his desk, and he had a raucous sense of humor, but he was not amused. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and he just looked at me, and he said, you can't. Don't you see what I'm achieving here? And it stunned me because I didn't think, you know. You were just another actress on the stage. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And nobody had told me yet that I was chief communications officer and fourth in command until two nights later. And Gene said, well, take the week and, and think about this, Michelle. And I handed him my little letter of resignation. He stuck it in his desk drawer and looked, and he said, think about it. Think about what I've, to- I've talked to you about. This is more than just a role. I go, okay, Jane, thank you. And he says, if, if Monday morning you want to come in and talk to me and you still feel the same way, I will still be very disappointed, but I'll let you go with my blessings. And I said, thanks, Gene. I walked out of there. That went well. (laughs) On Saturday night, I was had been invited as a a celebrity guest at a an NAACP fundraiser in Beverly Hills, and when I went in, I was being greeted and so glad you could come. So this year now is nineteen sixty seven, sixty six. Yes, approximately that time. Mm -hmm. 
seven, eight. Eight, yeah, yeah. there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just as I'm sitting seated at the dais and getting ready to turn to other celebrities, one of the promoters uh, walked over behind me and said, uh, Miss Nichols, uh, sorry to bother you. I said, no problem. And he said, well, there's someone who wants to meet you. And he says he he's your greatest fan. And I'm smiling. I said, of course. And I'm getting up to turn and said, where is he? He says, right over here. And I'm thinking it's a trekker, you know, maybe a child, maybe a young man. They just someone wants to congratulate him. And so delighted, I turn and I see this man across the room with this brilliant smile, which you didn't often see on his face. And I remember saying to myself, whoever this little trekker is, they're going to have to wait because this is my leader, Dr. Martin Luther King, walking towards me with a smile on his face. And I never met the man. You know, this is like I'm starting to tremble. And he walks to me and he says, with this smile, he says, and puts his hand out and says, yes, Miss Nichols, I am your greatest fan. (laughs) Martin Luther King, Jr., I thought, what an incredible moment. And I. Now, I have to wrap my head around this. You are at a fundraiser. Yes. You, Star Trek actress, at a fundraiser in Beverly Hills, and you run into Martin Luther King. Well, he was also a guest. I know. I'm just just saying, just just the. Exactly. And I've just told Gene Roddenberry I'm leaving the show. You're leaving the show. Right. Okay. So that's the setup for this. Well, this man, he says, I am your greatest fan. And I just was flabbergasted, flabbergasted, flittled. <laughs> You're still flabbergasted. Can't say the word. Just remembering it. And he begins to speak about my role on television and the power of Star Trek and how important it is. In the meantime, for the first time in my life, I had no words to say. <laughs> I couldn't, they wouldn't come out anyway. I'm shaking in front of this man. And he is saying how important Star Trek is to the future. That this man who's written this, who has produced this, has seen the future. And we are there because you are there. And you've we as the, as the black community. The black community. Has been imagined in the future created by Gene Roddenberry. It's a truth because it's on television. And we, exactly. and the black community was not part of anybody else's vision of the future that's, that had been portrayed until now. That's correct. That's correct. You've been listening to my exclusive interview with Nichelle Nichols. When we come back, we'll hear more about her extraordinary encounter with none other than Dr. Martin Luther King. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a block office 
or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. This episode is brought to you by Progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. For this special edition of Star Talk, we're breaking format to bring you an exclusive one on one interview that I had with actress Nichelle Nichols. She's, of course, Lieutenant Uhura of the original Star Trek TV series. She was visiting New York. I invited her by. We chatted. We had lunch. And out of that visit came this conversation. In the first segment, we left off where she was describing when she first met Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I was surprised to learn that he was her biggest fan. Not only he, but his wife and his kids would reserve time in the evening to watch the Star Trek series. Why? Because, in fact, he recognized that Star Trek was providing an important service to the American culture. Because she, as a black woman, had showed that, in fact, the black community could be part of at least somebody's vision for the future of humanity. In this next part of the interview, Nichelle Nichols reveals exactly what Martin Luther King Jr. told her about the importance of Star Trek to society. Let's see what she had to say. He said, you have one of the most important roles. This is a first. It's non-stereotypical. It's brilliant. It's beauty and it's intelligence. And you do it with warmth and grace. And I'm just standing there watching him, listening to him. I'm thinking the only visions I've seen of this man really are nightly in the news with marching 
and black people in the South marching and demanding their rights to sit at a lunch counter lunch counter and coming out being herded out and having hoses Water hoses. Fire hoses, fire hoses. Mm-hmm. turned on them. Dogs, attack dogs, turn on men, women, and children. And this man leading them and marching and the face of all of this, being arrested. Every night I ever saw it, I said, they're going to kill him. It won't happen past this time. But it did. And so he became this power of hope. And here I am playing this character that I'm going to give up. And I said to him, Dr. King, thank you so much. I'm going to miss my co-stars. And before I could say because, he said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> and I said that I just told Gene that I'm leaving the show after the first season because I've received, and he said, you cannot. I felt like that little boy who later said, what you talking about, Will? Because I felt like saying, what you talking about, Dr. Martin Luther King? But my mouth just dropped. And he said, you cannot leave. Do you understand? It has been heavenly ordained. This is God's gift and onus for you. You have changed the face of television forever because this is not a black role. It is not a female role. Anyone can fill that role. It's a role with power and dignity. He said it can be filled by a woman of any color, a man of any color. color. It can be filled by another Klingon or some alien. An alien. He said this is a unique role in a unique point in time that breathes the life of what we are marching for. Equality, He says, beside your chief communications officer, your fourth in command. I'm thinking nobody told me that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's paying attention to these episodes. He knows Star Trek is built on the uh, Air Force. Mm-hmm. Well, on, so the, he, on the rankings, yes. Rankings. Yes. So he knew mm-hmm. the rank. And he said, you have no idea the esteem that we hold for you. And I'd start shivering. And I'm just looking at him, and my mouth was quivering. And he said, beside Michelle, you have no idea the power of television. This man has shown us in the 23rd century. This man, Gene Roddenberry. started now. This man who's created this. This man has created a reality. And because it's in the 23rd century and you are chief communications officer, fourth in command of a starship on going on a five-year mission where no man or woman has gone before, it means that what we are doing today is just the beginning of where we're going, just how far we're we going. We have to make sure that that's enabled. You cannot leave. Besides, and then he smiles again, Star Trek is the only show that my wife Coretta and I allow our little children to stay up late and watch. And Michelle, I can't go back and tell them this because you are their hero. So overnight, your life became bigger than yourself. Exactly. Your role became bigger than you. I couldn't think of anything for the rest of the weekend. I was just shivering. Sometimes I was furious. 
Sometimes I was crying. Sometimes I just sat numb and thought about it. And I went to Gene Roddenberry on wobbly legs, and and I walked into his office, and he was behind that same desk. And Gene was a six-foot-three, muscular, hatchet-faced man with a wicked sense of humor and a brilliant mind. And he sat there, and he looked at me, and I said, Gene, if you still want me to stay... I'll stay, and I told him the story, what had happened to me with Dr. Martin Luther King. He just looked up at me and didn't say anything for a long time, and he opened his desk drawer and took out my letter of resignation and handed it to me, and I looked at him, at this man, and a tears rolling down his face, and he said, God bless Dr. Martin Luther King. Someone knows what I'm trying. Someone realizes what I'm trying to achieve. I'm getting misty-eyed just listening and, to your story. Oh, I mean, just I can hardly ever tell it. And he handed me my letter of resignation, which had been torn up into a million pieces from the day from the <laughs> moment I had handed it to him. He wasn't going to accept it anyway. And and I said, Gene, do you do you know Dr. King? And he <laughs> says, I've never met him, but I bless him. And because I said, this is too, it's it too was, coincidental. It was too coincidental. I could just see him picking up the telephone. Dr. King, uh, <laughs> I got a I got a job for you. <laughs> like like Dr. King has nothing else to do. <laughs> so the real truth here yeah. is that even though the show got canceled, yeah. it planted seeds within the consciousness of the nation that sprouted later. Greater than anyone, I think, had ever imagined. I think because the show got canceled, it caused an incredible thrust of pain and fury. And because so many people to this day said, I found myself. I found who I am. And people say to me, women, because you were there, I could never see the world the way I was raised to see. Mm. I became a different person. I had a man in one of the Star Trek conventions in London where they had the skinheads the movement, and he was I remember that. Yeah, obviously yeah. a skinhead. And there was a long, long, long line of people, and I had security behind me who were irritating me. And I'd never <laughs> had anything, but here was this man in the front of the line. He couldn't have been more than maybe 18, 19, but he looked more frightening with the skinhead and the whole thing and the muscles and the tattoos. And he walked over to the table, and my security team tensed. And they says, uh, don't move, Miss Nichols. And I said, I'm not bothering. The young man walked over to me, and he realized what was going on and said whatever his name was. And he said, I'm not really here as a fan, Miss Nichols. I just wanted you to know that because of you on Star Trek, I stopped being what I was on my way to be. I, I came here dressed as I had been doing so that you would know. This guy is tearing, and I'm looking up at him, tearing. I'm tearing now. And he said, I can never be that again. He says, I understand what the world and the future is, and Star Trek depicts it, and it's not what I was going through with all my pain and my life. This is a former skinhead telling you that. This is a former skinhead, and he says, I've done some dastardly things. I can only hope to make up for it. And I stood, 
and I leaned across the table because it wasn't really a big, big table, a wide table. And I said, come here, son. And I put my arms out. And tears came down his eyes, mine. And I held him. And I said, don't look for forgiveness anywhere. God just forgave you. Your choice makes you whole. And he just, he thanked me. I'm sorry. He uh. thanked me and and he walked away and I turned to my men who were protecting security, me, my security. security. And they just stood there like their hands were just limp. And one man said, well, I'll be damned. And I said, no, you'll be blessed. He just got blessed. But that was the power of what Gene Roddenberry meant. And Martin Luther King was right. And Dr. Martin Luther King was right. And I never looked back. And he was going through some really hard times, and it was only another couple of years that we lost him. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. We're breaking format today from our usual comedic banter to bring you exclusive coverage of my one-on-one interview with actress Nichelle Nichols. She's, of course, Star Trek's Lieutenant Uhura, the communications officer on the deck of the Starship Enterprise. In that conversation, which took place in my office at the Hayden Planetarium in New York City, we talked about everything under the sun, or at least under the universe. More from that interview when we come back. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. If interested, I'd love to have you as a Twitter follower. But I warn you in advance, no, I'm not going to tweet about what I had for breakfast or where I'm going that day or what shoes I'm wearing. What tends to come out of me are just sort of random thoughts drawn from the cosmos and exploring how they connect to everyday life. I call them my personal cosmic brain droppings. If interested, feel free to follow me. I tweet at Neil Tyson. In the first half of this show, we joined my exclusive one-on-one interview with actress Nichelle Nichols. And that's when we talked about how Star Trek and her role as Lieutenant Uhura had a huge impact on the civil rights movement of the 1960s and beyond. In this next part of the interview, we continue the conversation about the impact that Star Trek had on the culture. We also explore the importance that her role in the show had on the lives of certain individuals you might just recognize. Let's rejoin that conversation. I happen to know that Whoopi Goldberg credits the fact that she was on television Mm -hmm. in the Star Trek series was because of you. It was so beautiful to meet her because she's she's such a brilliant woman um, with her humor you, you, and the manner in which she do, does her human, you might at first be thrown by her and, and underestimate her. Mm-hmm. She's brilliant. And when I actually met her in person, the next generation. Star Trek Next Gen. Was, yeah. was on, and she was on the show, and I'm going, oh, isn't that wonderful to myself? 
And coincidentally, we were doing one of the, now, the Star Trek movies. I mm-hmm. think it was the first Star Trek movie. And so my dressing room was across the way in her dressing room, her van, um, a bus, whatever. And mine was across the street. And she asked one of the guys on my set that she wanted to meet me. And I'll never forget when she met me, you know, when I, I said, certainly, absolutely. And I said, you want me to come there? No, she said, no, I want to come to her. And so she did. And I loved her humor so much. I got it, you know. And I said, you are so incredible. And she just looked at me and she said, you are my queen. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, if it hadn't been for you, I'd have never been on Star Trek. It was my favorite show. And she said... When Star Trek came on, I was nine years old, and I saw this show, and it came on, and there you were. And I ran through the house saying, hey, come, everybody, quick, 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 come, come, look quick. And they came out and said, what's the matter? What's the There's a black lady on Star Trek, and she ain't no maid. <laughs> there's, there's a black lady on television, and she ain't no maid. And she said, I knew from that moment that I could become anything I wanted to be because you were there. And I said, and you became Whoopi Goldberg. Isn't that a blessing? Not only that, she's working on Star Trek before you even had the occasion to learn this about her. Exactly. Yes. She'd gone into, Gene told me the story. Gene Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry. Well, he wrote the story, actually, was in one of the fan magazines. But he said, when her agent called and said... Well, this is after she already got the Academy Award for Ghost. So she's already a a successful film actress. I was a gasping fan, you know. (laughs) Okay, Okay, I'm going, she wants to meet me, you know. (laughs) But Jean told me that her agent called and said, Whoopi Goldberg wants to be in the next generation. And Jean said, are you kidding (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he said, she's a big star. This is the little TV This is TV thing. land, TV yes. land. She, you know, she's got time to do that. And so the agent was so happy to be able, he says, thanks, Gene, thanks. <laughs> he goes back and tells, well, you can't do it because Gene said blah, blah, blah. And she said, go back and talk to Gene uh, Roddenberry and ask him to tell me to my face. So the agent goes, oh, face me. And she he goes to tell Jean. Jean says, of course I'll meet with her. But the answer is still no. And he said, good, Jean, just explain it to her. Jean was a brilliant man, such depth in his thinking and his vision. But he met with her, and she came in. Now, she later told me how nervous she was. But she came in and sat there and looked at him, and he said, I have only one question to ask you. And she said, yes. And he said, you're a big star, and you're a great comedian artist. Why would you want to be on the little screen on Star Trek? And she said, it's all Nichelle Nichols' fault. (laughs) 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 When Jean told me that, I, I said, what, what, what did I do? 
<laughs> and then he to- she told him the story of her being nine years old. And when Jean heard that story, he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I will create a role for you under one condition, that you only come in and do it at your convenience when you are not working because I refuse to take you away from, from the, your From the rest career. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from mm-hmm. the world. That's a wonderful pact, Isn't actually. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, that's beautiful. And that was such an honor when I heard it. I, I just, when Gene told me, he called me and told me, and tears came. I mean, so you're, I like, you're like the matriarch of an entire generation of people coming into I'm that. not that old yet. Okay. But I'm going to buy Excuse me. the medal. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I want to live to be a hundred and between 125 and 50. Okay. See, then I'll take no, I'll take on that that auspicious mantle. <laughs> when you just sit in the chair and people come up to you yes, and, yes, and, yes. And, and pass you gifts. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll be telling them where they can go and how far they can get if they do the right thing. I think it's incumbent on us as human beings and part of this race on earth is to add to the goodness that we've been given on this earth. I remember a business partner had who passed away, unfortunately, before his time, Jim Meehan, who was, before he retired and became partners with me, corporate vice president of Rockwell International, who built the space shuttle. And I met him during that point in time. He was one of the great songwriters. And this is a man of science, a scientist himself, who was pulled out of being a research scientist for Rockwell because he happened to be a good organizer. (laughs) (laughs) They pulled him and put him in the front offices and kept... That happens. Yes, yes, it does. It does. Mm -hmm. But when we met, both of our interests, separate from our business, brought us together. And we wrote space musicals that encouraged young people and the, mm-hmm. and the whole world. You know, everybody is saying, when are you going to do your musical again? When are you going to do that? He produced most of my latest albums. But he said one day, and I said, you know, if we don't stop doing this, we're going to blow this earth to kingdom come. And I said, we're going to lose everything. And he said, no. It won't destroy the earth. The earth's not going to be destroyed. We may destroy ourselves, but the earth will mend. Earth is earth. <laughs> earth <laughs> We've been here earth. billions of years. And whatever be another billion years. Le- left another life form. Of, well, he scared the hell out of me when he told me that. <laughs> and, and well, he, I feel that way because all the, the green movement says, save the earth. Yes. Earth is going to be here long after yes. we are. I can yes. tell you that. Yes. It's like what they really mean is save us on earth. That's yes. really what they mean. Exactly. And he was a chemist and my father was a chemist. Mm. You know, you meet people in your life. As I feel now, I've met you, Neil. And, and whether you like it or not, you're part of my life now. <laughs> An important part. Because, but I, I think that fine minds come together. Fine minds of a like kind come together. And we're the salvation of America, of any other country, of this whole planet. It's the founding right. fathers, those fine minds what, coming together. Yes, yes, fine minds right coming together. The right time at the right place. The right time at the right place. And what we decide and move, the foundations that we're doing, the work that you're doing, 
the ambition, the foolish ambition of a future that we have dismisses all the negativities. That is and a I'm hopeful vision. Here. That is a hopeful vision. I think it's a positive and I think it's a real vision. Uh, it's a vision that will save the world because there are enough people out there who think like we think. So often a mission dies with its creator. Yes. Or it gets forgotten. Yes. It fades. None of the above as, as has the, happened with Gene. As Jean. fandom says, never die. Never, never die. die. Now, Gene's on the moon right now. Where are you going to be? Oh, I think when Gene Kingdom was comes. beyond the moon. <laughs> didn't, they, didn't they put beyond, his? Did, they he put was his ashes born beyond the moon. <laughs> his it? ashes are out there, going glistening, going, <laughs> glistening. They're becoming new stars. Dreamers. Yeah. <laughs> but if I remember correctly, they attached some of his ashes to a lunar yes the lunar and craft. That I, I hope to join him. You can join him on the moon. Yeah, looking or, down on or, Earth or wherever out there, <laughs> because out there is forever. Yep. Yep. And if there And if not forever, it's for billions of years. <laughs> billions and billions and billions. You've been listening to my exclusive interview with Star Trek actress Nichelle Nichols. Listen to us live on the web at startalkradio.net or download us as a podcast and listen to us while you're at the gym. Find us at iTunes, Star Talk Radio. Or you can send us a question on Facebook. Find us at Star Talk Radio. Or you can even tweet us at what else but Star Talk Radio. When we come back, more of my exclusive interview with Michelle Nichols. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. University. You'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. You've been listening to my exclusive interview with Star Trek actress Nichelle Nichols. Let's rejoin that conversation. So, Nichelle, I have to tell the radio audience that you've donned this morning a red jacket. Now, this is taboo for Star Trek people because we all know what happens to the people who wear red in a Star Trek episode. I think maybe that's why Uhura never got to get off the bridge. I guess she never did, <laughs> did she? She was too smart. <laughs> 
it's okay. You guys go take the guy in the red. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, you could wear red and be safe, uh, right? You bet. I, somebody's got to take care of the ship, and who better than Chief Communications Officer Fourth in Command, Lieutenant Uhura? <laughs> You've got it all the way. <laughs> I hear often people talk of science fiction as a unique genre because you can tell social cultural stories that might be taboo for normal fiction or yes. just kind of out of reach when i was a kid i wasn't a science fiction no. fan as such but i knew that it existed and i didn't think of if i read something that was science fiction or fictional i regarded it in its context as a piece of, of literature I didn't know there were people that read science fiction devotedly or that there were other people who thought they were all geeks or nuts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I liked it, it was either good fiction, and if I didn't like it... It happened to be scientific. Ex right, right. That mm -hmm. happened to be scientific, and I liked it in, in that context. It was good, I loved it. And there came a point in time, as, as a young girl, I'd see people on the elevated line or, or on a bus, reading a book and engrossed in it. And it was wrapped in brown paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> because if it was obvious that they were reading, I, I came to learn that if it was obvious they were reading science fiction, they were treated in a certain kind of weird way, like, you're really a geek, you know, mm -hmm. like, mm. And for the rest of my life, whenever I saw a brown paper, I said, they're reading something that must be really, really good that would always be science fiction. In secret. Yes, in secret, like as though nobody knew, but nobody would then bother them, you know. But I thought, and again, I, I said that I had read what was I came to understand as science fiction, but I read everything. I was a voracious reader. And it didn't matter to me whether it was Shakespeare or a love novel, if it had something really to say, or science fiction. If it impacted life as we know it and made you think, Lady Chatterley's lover you mm -hmm. know, makes you stop and think about the power of controlling people, not who they are, but what they're supposed to be in society and how they respond and act to that. You can take that and set it in any setting, and you go all the way from early science fiction to Harry Potter. And it's interesting, and it touches on how we think about life and our place in it. Now, there are people that get really, 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 really interested, but they become fandom, you know. Right. And because there's something there that speaks to them. And so I always thought of it that way, not as a science fiction reader or a non-science fiction reader. But I think that science fiction, and especially Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek, and that really loosened the minds of a lot of people, and you see a lot of science fictional television now, some of it's good, some of it's not so good. But it's imaginative. It takes you into another world, and it's still about a sense of morality, of who we are, who we choose to be, and who we choose not to be. 
I would say Star Trek episodes at their best hit every one of those pistons. Absolutely. When they were firing all and together. And I think that's what touched amazingly so many people. And for the first time, you saw science fiction or anything else with males and females as equals of all colors. Hmm. And that was amazing. In positions of power in and influence. In positions of power, coming from every attitude, from, from a, a high level of understanding or compassion to the lowest. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter who you were, what color you were or what planet you came from. So there were complete characters, fleshed complete, out. Complete. Mind, body, emotion. Exactly. And with each having a lesson at the end. That you could... Take home with you. You could take home with you, but you could breathe it in or not. Or you could laugh, and you could have fun, or you could go, that was so cool. Or that was so deep. Or that was so me. That was me doing, that was me in that character. What you're saying is that if it's a good show, at the end, something's going to come out of it. And you're going to have to react to that in That's some right. way or another. A, a life's lesson. A life's lesson. And, and how you accept it. And if you want to, you will be a better person for it. And too many shows, nothing comes out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hour yeah. is gone, and you, yes. and you don't even remember you go. why, what you did that hour. Exactly. So what? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, that's an hour I'm never getting back for the rest of my life. You, you hit the nail. <laughs> Everyone knows, but we've got to remind everybody yes. that you had the first interracial kiss on television. I was part of the first interracial kiss. Sorry. Yeah, it took two. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, let me clarify two. that. <laughs> I didn't kiss Bill Shatner. <laughs> uh, Bill Shatner kissed me. Kissed you. <laughs> but actually, Uhura didn't, and, and Captain Kirk were forced to embrace. Oh, I forgot about that. It was a force. Power kinetic. Mm. <laughs> with kinetic power. <laughs> That's the only way they could have gotten that one by. <laughs> that was the only way we were going to get it by back then. <laughs> well, on Star Trek Radio, I'm going to give you a non-interracial kiss. <laughs> Michelle, thanks for being on Star Talk Radio. Thank you so much. That about wraps up our show for the week. Thanks for listening. What you heard was my exclusive interview with actress Nichelle Nichols, Lieutenant Uhura of Star Trek fame. You may be delighted to learn that we have an entire other hour of this interview soon to arrive in our Star Talk broadcast. This is Neil deGrasse Tyson signing off for Star Talk. And as always, keep looking up. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission.
Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.